Today's guest is Andy Lieber. He is a partner at Catapult Growth Partners. He's also been involved in ACT-IAC and the Professional Services Council, which is very interesting. Both of those organizations are fantastic. Andy and I have met and gotten to know each other at numerous networking events here in the DC area. We both work in the government contracting space. We both share a passion for bourbon, which has been a conversation for us and, and always probably will be now that whenever we meet up. And then we also share a passion for wanting to help government to do better. So Andy, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So, so for those who haven't been at an American event and gotten to know a little bit about you, sh share where you're from, who you are, and what you do. Sure. So uh, originally, I'm from Southern California oh. uh, and uh, grew up in a nice suburban home uh, and, you know, did the usual, right? High school, you know, elementary school, high school, college, went to California State. University Northridge, which I joke, it's a place for people who don't study in high school. <laughs> um, and then I uh, decided then I worked in retail for a bit at a small at a 16 store uh, retail chain called Buffums. And um, after a few years, my mom came to me and said, Andrew, because she called me Andrew, um, I think you should get your MBA. And I said, you're right. So I did a silly thing. I listened to my mom. And I uh, I came out to uh, Maryland uh, to get my MBA, uh, so the Africa College. I should also say personally, I'm the youngest of four boys. Um, so I have three older brothers, two who still live in the LA area, and one who lives just a couple miles from me. And so I um, came came out to Maryland for MBA. Uh, started working for AT and T. Met my wife. Have two kids. Kids are now grown and. <laughs> So, Here we are. <laughs> so rolling that back a little bit, when you went to college, and I know California's uh, university system is fantastic, right? They they yeah. offer opportunities to to California residents that are, are really uh, amazing. How did you decide what degree to get? Well, um, initially, I I started out uh, business and doing my general education, and I decided to do my junior year abroad in Israel. Oh wow! And uh, it was great. Absolutely loved it. Um, came back and, you know, this was uh, in the early 80s. So it took a while for my credits to for the year to transfer back to my home school. So as a result, I found myself way behind. And so I just I was thinking about getting actually an accounting, uh, majoring in accounting. But I looked at it and I realized economics would take me a, a, a semester shorter. So I switched to economics um, and I did that. I was still on the five and a half year plan for college, um, you know, be, be, because of that little detour, but I wouldn't trade my year in Israel for anything. Um, and so I went from that, as I said, went into retail where I managed the men's department. I, I think my biggest accomplishment was that, um, the store I was in was the number two store overall in the chain. And I took over the men's department and it was number uh, 12 and I got it back up to number two in about two, two or three months. Wow. And, and I did that by having people do the basics. And that means I, I had a simple chart by each register, serve the customer, make sure things are stocked, clean, clean the, uh, clean the fixtures and straighten the fixtures, relax. So they could relax as long as they, everything else was done. Right. And that, that really helped. And it really taught me 
that, you know what, you need to pay attention to the basics. And that's really where you're going to see performance. Mm. So as you, so, so, so I'm assuming you were joking about the the MBA, you listened to your mom do the MBA. That did bring you to the DC area, did it not? It did. It did. Um, I was only semi-joking on that. I thought it was a good idea. Marilyn, uh, in its infinite wisdom, offered me a scholarship to come here. Um, and it was a great program. Uh, have a lot of close friends from the program. In fact, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, they were all over at our house for a Friendsgiving. Oh, wow. Um, and this is from the prep, but uh, our prep before this. But the thing I learned the most from being an MBA was really two things. One is we did a lot of business cases uh, in our program, and we'd, we would be really wanting to come up with the right answer. And we think we did whenever we did a case. I got to the corporate world and realized that sometimes the right thing doesn't happen because somebody in a high enough position would have to admit they made a mistake. And so they want to block the right decision. Mm-hmm. And so I, I learned that, you know, it, it's really the people skills that are as if not more important in the corporate world. But the other thing I learned is I had a marketing professor and we had to um, write up all our papers in, in a maximum of two pages. And it taught me to be brief mm. in the way I write. And that is one thing that I've taken forward throughout my career um, because I things that I write up, I think people understand and I get action on because it's very clear, it's concise. And being a business developer, I realized that nobody has time for long emails, right? You got to make it in a couple of paragraphs and that's it. That's so true. Yeah. So as you finished up the MBA, uh, was that natural that you just found the job for AT&T? Did you have a seek, seek out that job? Uh, I, no, I didn't seek it out. I started as a summer intern with them. Okay. Um, and, uh, and I taught people how to use the Merlin phone system. Uh, in DOD, primarily at the Pentagon. And that actually turned out to be really interesting because one, I I was interacting with different people every day. uh, And I also learned that a lot of people had different needs. So there were people who wanted to know every single feature of the phone system. And there were people who just wanted to answer the phone. (laughs) Right. You know, all they wanted is, how do I answer the phone? I don't want to transfer calls or anything like that. And so the, all that was was just fascinating to me, just doing that and working with people and having to communicate. And the reason they hired me was because um, when I was in college, I did a little bit of teaching and they thought, thought that that was a, an impressive skill. Anyway, that turned into a full-time job uh, after school. I mean, excuse me, yeah, after I graduated and I ended up staying at AT&T for 11 years, uh, moving up through the ranks. I think pretty well. Uh, you know, I became a district manager after 10 years, which was pretty fast for AT&T at the time. So wow. uh, all that was really good. Uh, though my favorite story is that when I started at AT&T, to show you how the world changed in 10 years, when I started at and our district manager, we had two secretaries, one for him and one for the rest of our division. When I became a district manager, I shared a secretary with four other people, four other district managers. It just shows you know how technology changed and everything. Right. So, so what was next for you after AT and T? 
after AT&T, I decided to leave uh, because um, I've just, my next career step would have been to move to New Jersey and it's not something I wanted to do at the time. And I wanted to, I enjoyed the sales career. Um, actually, in my MBA, that same marketing professor who taught me how to write succinctly, that's easy for me to say, um, uh, said that you should spend your career between uh, market, you know, in marketing between line and marketing, so sales. So I started in sales at AT&T and I enjoyed that and I did pretty well and I progressed through a few jobs. I did sales. I, they started this new thing called business development and they picked me to do that over a lot more senior people. Um, and I started doing that and then I went into a marketing position and then doing some program management and I ended up in charge of the AT&T government market strategy. And at the time, AT&T was about a billion dollar organization. And, and that was very enjoyable, but I decided, you know what? I wanna do something else. And, and uh, I just decided to leave AT&T. And as I said, I made the right decision to leave the wrong decision who I left for. Mm. And I left for a, uh, a teleservices firm, you know, the people who bother you at dinner time. Mm -hmm. um, and that was an interesting experience. I was working remotely. They were headquartered up in Delaware um, and it didn't work out. And that's one of the things with my career. I've had a number of times where people have decided that um, I wasn't a fit anymore and had to go through that a, a more than uh, probably three or four times in my career, which teaches you resilience. Mm. Um, and uh, And also confidence in yourself because I had to stay confident and work hard to find things. But anyway, I went there, I went there and then um, I went to another small firm called the Troy Systems who got acquired by a company with, called PEC, which was eventually acquired by Avaya. And I was there for about a year or so. And then I went to Grant Thornton for seven years, which was a great experience. Uh, left Grant Thornton for another uh, large accounting firm. Um, stayed there for a little bit, um, went to Hitachi Consulting, mm. um, all of this in business development. And then really my last stop in my career was with management concepts, which if, you, if you're a finance person or a um, acquisition person, it's very likely you've taken a management concepts yeah. course. Yeah. Yeah. I I've taken core training through management concepts. All right. right. Exactly. Exactly. And it was... Uh, and all that doing business development. And I just learned to sell sell different things. But the big thing that I think I brought, I the way I do business development, I see myself as connecting the dots between what the government wants and what the core, comp, core competency of my company is. Mm -hmm. And I joke a lot, and this is a joke and a semi-joke, is that if the government says they want water, you're going to get lots of people selling the government water, saying, I can provide you water. If the government says there's thirst, you're thir they're thirsty, I think there are a lot fewer business developers who can understand that the government wants that water can solve the thirst. Mm. Uh, and so um, I'm really big is trying to understand the needs and then talking to them about their challenges and their problems to really get an understanding of it in order to better best position my company for an eventual, eventual uh, contract. 
Well, that brings us to your company. What, what was what, what was the final decision for you in terms of launching and going on on your own? Okay. Um, that after I, right before I got hired by Management Concepts, I was saying, you know, I have enough of it. You know, I've had enough of this. That's number one of, I th- I think doing the right things, but because of what I see a lot of times as challenges within the company, um, you know, getting getting laid off. And I got to the point in my life that my kids were out of college um, and my wife was much more comfortable with me going out on my own, especially all this. And, you know, the big risk is what if you don't have clients? And I said, well, I've been working for others and gotten laid off. You know, I didn't, I didn't see any difference to that. But it was also because... I really felt, and I do feel, that um, companies can use people with with uh, my experience and talent, and but can't hire me full time because mm. they can't afford it. There are a lot of smaller companies who need the help, and one of the challenges that I've seen with business development over the years is people do not do a good job talking about what their company can do and about the value that they can deliver. Mm. Um, Jeremy, you, you've spoken with a lot of people. Have you ever spoken with somebody in a company and you ask what they do and they give you this long answer and they haven't answered what they do? <laughs> yes, I've heard that many times, unfortunately. Yeah. And so um, I just really felt that. And I, I went out on my own and started a TBD consulting and have a number of clients. And then after a while, I was missing the team atmosphere. So I joined Catapult Growth Partners, which is um, there are a bunch of us who are all independent business developers, but under the same umbrella. And uh, what's nice about it, it gives us a team atmosphere. So you have someone to talk to when you say, you know what, I'm having a challenge doing this. What do you suggest? And with, with business development, what we do is not rocket science, okay? Um there's a lot of things you need to do. And a lot of times you do things, but sometimes you forget about a step or you forget about something. So it's always good to have to ask somebody and just say, well, did you do this? And you go, oh yeah, I need to do that, right? You know, you know just, just the the basics, uh, you know, back to earlier, you got to do the basics with business development. That's really, I think, what separates a lot of the successful ones from the ones who might need some improvement is that there's certain steps you need to do. And, it, and pretty much have to do them all the time. Hmm. So that's interesting. So you know what my my uh, my next question is always you know what would you change? I hear you talk about this challenge of doing business development correctly. Yeah, yeah I would change. What I like to see a few things done. Um, okay. One is I'm one one of the things that really bothers me when I see a small company and they tell me they do. They have core competencies in seven different areas. Mm. You know, how many people do you have? 26. (laughs) No, you don't. Okay. (laughs) You know, stick to your core competencies. There should be about three, I think. And I've, and I've seen small companies that do more stuff than IBM does or Deloitte and all that. And it's like, you just, you don't. And, and the government doesn't believe you either. Right. Um, so that's number one, really focusing on your core companies, which you do really well. Um, number two, be able to articulate what you do. 
and how you've helped others. Hmm. So I'll just use my self, myself as an example. What do we basically, what I basically do in business development and a catapult, it's identify qualifying team. We identify opportunities, we qualify them, making sure that there's win winnable and help you on, uh, on the, uh, get the right team, either as a sub or as a prime, if you need it. And that's all good to say, but just some of the things I've been able to help uh, my, my clients do. One client, I was in, able, in essence, to double their size of, the, of their company, getting a big win for them at Department of Education. Um, another client, I got their first win in four or five years for that company. Um, and I did that by being persistent nicely persistent. Mm -hmm. um, Jeremy, I would guess that you don't answer every email that you get from the <laughs> No, but I understand what you mean by the nicely persistent because there yeah. are a few people, that, but very yeah. few that are like yeah. that. Yeah, and you got to remind them and eventually, you know, and if I had to change one thing about business development from the government side, if you don't want to talk to me, it may be easier just to respond back saying, thank you very much, I'm not interested you know, it may save you some time. Right. Right. Um, and it's, but, I would say it's polite, right? Yeah. It, it's polite, but if you're worried, you know, if you're, it bothers you that they're bothering you all the time, well, you can stop that. Right. And that's in general with, with the government. Um, yeah. I'm an, odd, I'm an odd duck in government because I actually yeah. love interacting with industry. Yeah. Uh, and that's not, you're right. That's not the norm. A lot of people just try to dodge and weave and don't um, express why they're not interested. Yeah, uh, and that would be good. Now, you didn't ask this question, but on, on the government side in dealing with business developer, that's one thing I would like. The other thing I'd like to see is contracting officers or the government be more transparent with industry. Mm. They send out an RFI or a sources with some, or even their forecast with some simple things like, this is a recompete. So-and-so is the incumbent. Right. They've been the incumbent for the last X amount of years. Because if they if they don't do that, I am writing them and saying, asking those questions. Right. And me at times, however many other people, right? And so, so just some basics, I think could save everybody more time and heartache, right? Or, or yeah, we're going to recompete this. It's going to come out on this contract vehicle, if I know that right away, then I know where I stand, you know, if you put it or if it's coming out on this BP, you know, this agency BPA, let me know that then mm -hmm. I'm not going to bother you. Right. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, so those are just uh, some of my, you know, my wish list since it's the holiday season. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are they're good wishes. I mean, I, we we've both been involved in this and I, I, I was on the industry side for a while, which is probably yeah. why I have a a heart yeah. for industry's challenges. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, what you're saying are good things that will help government get what they actually want anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And and they have to be better. And I think we talked about this the other night is that the requirements gathering on the government could also be a lot better. Right. But it's it's really hard. Sometimes you don't know until you, you've experienced it. Well, as you know, you've come in when they haven't articulated the requirements very well. You, you yeah. see the customer. It's the sometimes it is the person just doesn't really truly know. Right. They right. have a lot of things they want to accomplish and they have no clue how to articulate what they are. Right. And and they want to buy the nice shiny toy. <laughs> they think that's going to solve the problem. And 
it doesn't always solve the problem. And then they're upset that they say, oh, some vendor sold this to me. Well, you let them sell it to you. <laughs> True. And a lot of those things, if 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 talked about up front, yeah. would get quality feedback from industry. No, no, no. It, it, this is If you say this in your RFI, we understand what you're trying to do. We can give you good advice. No, we've seen this not go that way. You, you should maybe consider this or that. I mean, I know that's sensitive. I love reading our, uh, RFI responses when... They're going to help my procurement be better, right? Yeah, yeah. So I got to be, I got to be upfront and honest about what I'm trying to accomplish, or I'm not going to get good response. Yeah, and, and that's great that you do this. You know, I, I mentioned this. I, I did a reverse industry day a few years ago, hmm. and one of the things I told the audience of contracting officers was, if you're up, the, if you go and you say, "This is our problem, help me solve it." And a vendor comes back and says, that's nice. How many boxes do you want? I would say, you don't want to do business with that company. Right. right? You know, they don't, they don't understand the problem. They can't give you that solution. And so one of the things I harp on a lot, well, harp is too strong of a term, but when they ask for feedback from all these government industry days, and the government's been doing a lot of small business days uh, over the last few months. And every one of them talks about the basics on, you know, you know, get registered in SAM and, you know, we're meeting our small business goals, but they don't, what they don't do is have people come up and say, Hey, these are our challenges. This is what we're trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And I would like to see more of that within government because that, that way I know if I can or can't address your issue and, and just give it that basis and, and have that dialogue. Because that, that's what's important. And it's great that you're doing that because you're having the dialogue. Right. Dialogue is, is very important. Yeah. Yeah. So so what's next for you as you're heading into, I know we got to get past the holiday season, but what, yeah. what's, what's on the horizon for you? Well, I, I see doing this for a few more years and then I see myself retiring. Um, I, I really enjoy um, being independent because... I like working with different companies. I've got a client who does strategic facilities planning. I have a client who's really strong in agile development and and really and modernizing a government system. Um, I've got other clients who um, I just picked up a, a company that does a, a cyber software that helps stop an attack. You know, once it penetrates, and also can you know move to zero trust. So. I like the diversity of the clients because I don't get bored selling the same thing and I get challenged <laughs> and all that stuff. And so that's what I do. And the other thing I really like about it is I can't tell you how many times I go to something for one client and I hear something that helps another client. Mm. And that's great because that's efficient for everybody. Right. Um, and I just, I like, I really feel that I'm helping them. And that's a big thing. And, and the other nice thing, when you're a consultant, you can be more direct sometimes and say, well, why do you want to do that? And also being direct with the government as well, because I'm at that point in my career. I don't care. Right? I, mean, I mean, I care. Um, but, you know, um, the other day I was talking to, a, a, I don't know, it was a program manager or a CI shop, but they said, if I talk to you, I have to talk to everybody else and I'll prevent you from bidding on the contract because you beat OCI. Never heard of that before. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've heard that plenty of times. And I finally said, I don't know who told you that, but that's so not true. <laughs> um, I And I would not have said that earlier in my career. We should definitely put that in the things we wish would change in our field. Yeah. Because yeah. that is something I have learned in the yeah. last probably five years. But I, I would say uh, before that, I probably had that perception as well. Yeah. But it takes getting to know the FAR, which a lot of people don't spend time to do. And, and they've and they've been taught that. And, and the other thing is, it's an easy way to say, I don't want to talk to you, right? Without saying, I don't want to talk to you. All right, fine. If they don't want to talk to me, fine. <laughs> tell me, right? Uh, I don't like it, but, you know, I can accept it. So, right. Uh, well, interesting. So anyway, I see myself retiring. Uh, we... Um, for the last two years, and we're in a few weeks, we're going for our third year. We're going down to Sarasota for the winter. Um, and, you know, remote work, you know, the last few years have taught us you can work from anywhere. So, uh, you know, my big thing is everyone's out having fun and I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, Andy, uh, I really enjoy uh, interacting with you and having conversations with you. And you have an exciting uh, uh independent uh, opportunity that I, I really uh, admire. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next for you. Thank you very much. And this is, I, I have to compliment you on uh, taking the initiative on this. I think it's great. I, I saw a few of your past uh, it, uh, interviews and it's great you're doing this, how you're getting to know people within the community. So uh, this is great. And I appreciate you asking me. Thank you very much.